I said, you know, if it turns out that you're short and you need the help, I don't particularly like the cold, but it's, it is what it is. I'll be happy to come back. That's a clip from six months ago when we connected with Catskiller Michael Di Benedetto, who was in Ukraine volunteering as a driver with an organization called Road to Relief. It's winter now, and Michael did go back. On today's show, reconnecting with Michael Di Benedetto in Kharkiv and marking two years since Russia's full-scale invasion. I'm Brett Barry, and this is CatsCast, the Catskills podcast. Hello. Hello, Michael. Hey, Brett. Hey, you sound great. Oh, well, I'm feeling a little better than I was. Yeah, I had a little cold, still holding on a little bit. I mean, it's still winter here. Oh, it's wonderful to hear your voice. When I was working at the church, almost nobody spoke English. And I have to say that working with people and not being able to talk to somebody <laughs> is, I don't know, it's, it's a little, it was a little wearing me out. Yeah. Because you want to say things, you want to have a little conversation. <clears throat> Not that I'm much of a conversationalist, but... You know, you obviously enjoy volunteering, giving of yourself. You could do that here. You could do that um, in many places around the world. What what brings you back to Ukraine again and again? Well, I... I love the people here. Not that I don't love the people home, but yeah. I love the people in Ukraine. They're so appreciative. They're so thankful for somebody to think about coming over to help them out. I also think that the situation, even though there are people in need where we live or elsewhere in the country, this is a little different situation where these people were, you know, trying to live their lives and basically... A neighbor decided, well, I think we would like that country back. You know, it'd be like Mexico saying to the United States, you know what? We really want Texas and New Mexico, Arizona, California. We would like them back. And so we invade Texas. So I feel really bad for these, these people here that this invasion has happened. And a lot of people I know in the U.S. think... Ah, it's not that big a deal. It's a border dispute, but it really is a big deal. Putin is, really is a big deal. And I don't think that he will stop with, with Ukraine. What brought you back and how did you discover this new organization? So when I left, the director, we had enough drivers at the time, and it was hard for them to find drivers in the wintertime that could drive in the snow and people that would consider volunteering in the wintertime. I mean, everything was beautiful here, you know, other than missiles and artillery and things like that. The, the country is beautiful. All the, the gardens were full, the fruit trees were full. But uh, yeah, I had told her that I would come back in the wintertime when they needed people more. And that was my plan. And then I think the week after I left, she was, she and the person were killed out on a mission and um, the organization dissolved. But, you know, I wanted to come back and help. There was a church, it's in Kharkiv, and I ended up 
having a conversation with the person there and he said yes we can use you we have a warehouse we do deliveries and the first week I was there we were packing up food in this warehouse I think there were like 700 or something like that people lined up I was shocked one morning I went out for delivery all these people are lined up down the street waiting to get this food that we packaged up so they do a lot of food deliveries, giveaways uh, for soldiers and civilians. We also delivered stoves out to areas that uh, didn't have um, heat, wood stoves, and then they deliver the firewood as well. So I was involved in doing some of that back out in the country. And when I was at the warehouse, there's a person that had stopped by to pick up a load of food. He's the volunteer coordinator for the Hell's Kitchen Bakery in Kharkiv. I stopped by and I started baking bread. And I baked bread for a while and then I started helping somebody doing some mechanical work. And they said, oh, I think that we have a job for you other than baking bread, so that's what I've been doing the last week, is working, making things for soldiers. Like? Mm, things. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to leave it at that for now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's through the same organization? Through the same organization, this Hell's Kitchen, they started right after the war started, they do amazing work here. They actually bake about a thousand, over a thousand rolls a day that some go to the church. So they'll take food for soldiers and for the hospitals and they'll do all the, the complete lunch with the rolls and everything. The rolls by themselves, about half of them, six or seven hundred a day go back to that uh, Trinity Church because they supply them with the flour. They trade that off. Hell's Kitchen serves more than 1,000 meals and several thousand loaves of bread every day in Kharkiv, the second largest city in Ukraine, situated just about 20 miles from the Russian border. Luda and Igor co-founded the organization at the start of the war. Here's Luda. Okay, um, we started it uh, like the next day when the war uh, began. Yegor, my husband and I, uh, we saw some, somewhere on, on the internet, probably Facebook, we saw uh, a message uh, from soldiers that uh, if uh, anyone could help uh, them with uh, fresh food. Of course, um, you have to understand that, uh, like uh, to my understanding, that more than 70% uh, of uh, people left the city in those days and uh, you had uh, nothing like no public transport no uh, shops opened like it was impossible to to buy something uh, to to eat and uh, to help themselves and um, also it's uh, february it's uh, winter 2022 and uh, spring 2022 very very cold in ukraine uh, and uh, soldiers, uh, they wrote on their Facebook and asked uh, if uh, someone could help them with uh, fresh food. Luda and husband Igor had been working in IT before the war with their colleague Ivan. Ivan also runs a hostel and offered the basement with a kitchen to Luda's new organization. 
Before the war, we worked uh, together in IT sphere. Uh, but Ivan also was uh, an owner of uh, the hostel, and in that hostel he has a very good uh, basement. Uh, and uh, because the city was bombed and uh, shelled uh, very, very intensively those days, uh, so we called uh, to Ivan and uh, he said like, uh, yes, I also stayed uh, into the city and uh, we went uh, to him. Uh, we decided, okay, we, we, we can cook, uh, cook for our soldiers. So it's how it uh, started that we began uh, to cook. You've since moved from that kitchen to another location? Yeah, yeah, we moved uh, in May 2023, we moved to another location. But uh, it's very funny, we moved uh, just 150 meters from the old place. So we're almost like on the same location. We are here uh, seven days, 17 hours at, at, at the kitchen. It's, it's almost two years of the war. Uh, personally, me, I had three days off. <laughs> and again, uh, when I say days off, it was like uh, spent these days uh, with uh, like being on the phone. So I didn't came uh, to at uh, at the kitchen, but uh, but I was on the phone still. How are you and Igor supporting yourselves if um, you've had to give up your business to um, devote all of your time to this effort? Mm -hmm. uh, just before the, uh, the war, uh, we began to build our house. Luda our explained how she store, and Igor uh, had well-paying jobs in uh, IT. In they saved money to build a house. Uh, and it, uh, from what I could understand from our conversation, really the war salaries, put those house plans on hold. So... Those savings are sustaining the couple still, as they've devoted the last two years of their lives to full-time volunteer work. She explained that a friend who left the city has also donated her apartment to the couple, rent-free, which also helps. She went uh, to Sweden, uh, and uh, we rented uh, her flat. But uh, when the war began, starting from May 2023, we again uh, came back to that flat and uh, we pay nothing, not for bills, not for renting. She, she pays the bills and uh, she doesn't take any uh, rent from us because uh, she knows uh, what, what we are doing here. That's very the, nice. The, the, yeah, the, that's very nice of her. And in fact, uh, this is not a unique uh, story about... When people uh, who left uh, Ukraine, they uh, give their flats and houses uh, uh, either either for free for volunteers uh, or uh, they took uh, some uh, just uh, just to pay bills, for example. How many volunteers are working for your organization? Uh, when we will speak about uh, just kitchen, it's around seventy. Uh, speaking about uh, other projects. Uh, as I said, uh, Yegor conducts, or how to say, uh, other projects, uh, so I think more than 110. What are you cooking? What's on the menu today? So, uh, we cook uh, soup, uh, like for the first course, we cook uh, soup or borscht. The people whom we feed, militaries, uh, they ask uh, for, for, for borscht uh, more than, uh, than for soup. <laughs> and uh, um, for the second course, it's uh, either macaroni or uh, porridge. I know that in England, porridge, it's only about oatmeal, yeah? Right. Uh, but in Ukraine, uh, we, we, we say porridge uh, like about uh, like uh, rice, uh, buckwheat, uh, so uh, any kind of... Uh, um, 
grains. Kind of what of grains? Yeah, we we call it porridge. So uh, so so different kind of porridges, uh, uh, meat, uh, but but not meat, uh, chicken. We buy on, on, on the chicken course meat, it's uh, like two, I think three times uh, uh, more expensive than, than chicken. Uh, chicken and the salad also depending on what kind of vegetables uh, do we have uh, at, at, at the moment, uh, what, what can we afford ourselves to buy. And a lot of bread. And yeah, and a lot of <laughs> bread, uh, like uh, 1,500 rolls uh, every day. So you're giving food to the church, to the military, to the hospitals, is that mostly? Uh, uh, for church, we, uh, we give only bread, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the food we distribute 50-50 for militaries mm -hmm. and also for hospitals uh, that, that are in the, in the city. But uh, again, you have to understand that, that uh, these days uh, in uh, Kharkiv, it's like uh, mostly uh, hospitals are full of um, injured soldiers. I see. So it's mostly going to soldiers? Mostly, yeah. Uh, these days, uh, foreign volunteers, uh, they help us a lot, really. Uh, for example, uh, as, as I said, we have a kitchen and uh, we have bakery. Uh, for today, I think 80% uh, it's foreign volunteers who cover bakery. I mean, people who work on the bakery, mostly foreign volunteers. Mm -hmm. We feel this uh, understanding and we feel that the whole world uh, is with us, supporting us, uh, so it also gives us another, uh, another hope, another strength to, to, to go on, to continue to fight and uh, never stop. How's our friend Michael doing? He's very friendly. He's very nice. Uh, uh, not not too many foreign people uh, would uh, hug so we, we, like we, with you. But really, it, I, I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of uh, chemistry. But uh, yeah, we we feel each other very uh, very good, and uh, he helps us a lot, a lot. And uh, every time he stops for a minute, uh, he has like a minute of. of uh, free time and uh, he asked like do you need some help yeah. can i help you <laughs> yeah so he's amazing yeah thanks after the break more from catskill's own michael de benedetto who's seemingly undaunted by things like daily air raid sirens more on that in just a moment when michael's back home he reads the mountain eagle covering Delaware, Greene, and Schoharie counties, including brands for the local region, such as the Wyndham Weekly, Schoharie News, Cobleskill Herald, and Catskills Chronicle. For a subscription of your own, call 518-763-6854 or email mountaineaglenews at gmail.com. CatsCast is supported by a generous grant from the Nicholas J. Juried Family Foundation and by listeners like you. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at catscast.com. This past week marks two years since Putin invaded Ukraine, where Catskiller Michael DiBenedetto is currently volunteering with Hell's Kitchen, an organization cooking and serving food in the city of Kharkiv, situated just 30 kilometers from the Russian border. That's where Michael heard this air raid siren on his morning walk to work and recorded a clip on his phone. When you do get an air raid alert, where do you take cover? 
No place. No place. Nobody does. And people are just going about their business. They're going about their business here. I suspect if something major was going to happen and they knew it, you know, then you could head down into the basement or into the subways, something like that. But the sirens are going off all the time here. I would say, you know, some days when it's nice out, um, they may be two, three times an hour, the air raid sirens are off. There's an app on my phone that somebody here at the kitchen told me about that you can look and see what's going on. We're only, I think, 30 kilometers from the border here, uh, from the Russian border. So anytime somebody starts sending rockets or missiles or something like that over, even if it's not headed particularly in the city's direction, the air raid sirens go off for the whole district. So on this app, it tells you what was being launched, what to be careful of. Okay, there's no danger in the city at this moment or whatever, which is a really nice thing. What's the difference in the, uh, the weather now uh, this time of year as opposed to when you were there last time? Is it, is it Catskills-like or <laughs> more, is it more severe? It's just like Catskills. Yeah, just like it's the Catskills. just like Catskills. The sun has been out very seldom. But there's been very little snow. We got about four inches of snow, four or five inches of snow uh, a few days ago. Um, that melted. There's a lot of ice on the ground, but the weather's the weather's fairly similar. They used to get a lot more snow, and now, yeah, it's about about the same as the Catskills. Okay, so uh, weather and and risk aside. Um, what are the logistics involved in getting yourself to Ukraine and um, and to Kharkiv to volunteer with an organization like Hell's Kitchen? There are no flights into the country, obviously. So you'd have to fly into the probably the easiest place would be to fly into Warsaw, Poland. Flights were not very expensive for me. This time I flew into Amsterdam and and drove with a friend of mine from. Amsterdam to Kharkiv. The first time I came, I flew into Warsaw, took a bus from Warsaw to the capital, Kiev, and then a train down to Slavyansk. I'll basically do the opposite going home. I'll take a bus from Kiev to Warsaw. Very inexpensive, too. I think the bus is for, I don't know, it's 11 hours, 12-hour bus ride, something like that. And I think it's uh, maybe $20. It, it's an easy place for anybody to volunteer. You don't have to have any skills here. You don't have to be able to drive. The metro system is good. Once you get here, it's very inexpensive. And they feed you here. So food is here. You have to provide your own lodging, which I didn't have to do when I was here over the summer. So my hotel is costing me about $15 a night. A $15 hotel here would be really, um, well, impossible, but sketchy. Uh, what's the condition <laughs> of the hotel that you're in? What, uh, what is $15? It's, 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 yeah, yeah. it's clean. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you could spend $50 or $60 on a really, uh, you know, five-star hotel, but um, I'm, I wasn't looking for that. So, you know, everything's clean in there and, yeah, no, I'm happy with it. 
And what's an average day for you like? Uh, do you have a schedule? I do have a schedule. At the kitchen, they usually start here 8 30, 9 o'clock, and they have two shifts. You can stay as long as you want. When I was doing the bread, I pretty much stayed all day because it was that or, you know, walk around town or go to my hotel room. And then they get done 5, 5 30, they'll get done. Um, and again, they're making probably 1,000 to 1,400 rolls in a day. I do go to the restaurants here now and then. I can buy a nice pasta dinner for, um, I think it was $3.75 with a glass of wine. Wow. And um, a lot of times I'll be the only one in the restaurant. There'll be a couple people working there or whatever. I, I don't know how long that's sustainable. Um, but there's a lot of restaurants open, a lot of coffee shops. Um, so I think people are trying to do the best they can. Luda explained how Kharkiv's population has changed since the war began. And she, for one, is frustrated by a back-to-normal mentality that many residents appear to have adopted. For Luda, it's premature. The difference is that the people who, uh, who are in Kharkiv these days, it's a people uh, that moved from oblast, from region. Do you, do you understand what I mean? So, so refugees. Because, because uh, refugees, yeah, yeah, refugees. Because, for example, uh, when speaking um, with the war, uh, I would say 95% of people whom we know, with whom we were acquainted, whom, like, our friends, uh, they uh, left the city and mostly left uh, the country. Uh, and, uh, like, our story, uh, I think that maybe 15% came back. But uh, the city is full of people these days. The people who are there, are they going about their lives as normally as possible? Um, is there a sense of um, normalcy in terms of uh, what they're doing with their everyday? Yeah, mo most of the people mm -hmm. in Kharkiv uh, live their normal life. People work, uh, uh, people go to restaurants, uh, drink uh, coffee, play with their children, and uh, yeah, and uh, live in their normal life. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's uh, it's a topic uh, for discussion, I would say, because uh, I think that first of all, people should uh, get together and uh, resolve the most, uh, um, the highest priority um, problem and, uh, and then continue living their normal life. We have to win this war. We paid a huge uh, price uh, for, for this victory just to continue living our life uh, with, the, with our choice. Uh, these days, uh, foreign volunteers, uh, they help us a lot. Are you feeling any kind of um, hope or optimism for the immediate future, or do you see this going on much longer? Personally, me, I'm waiting for the victory each single day. Mm -hmm. 
when people ask like uh, how you can go on without uh, without stopping without days off like i think uh, i hope uh, i believe in uh, black swans i don't know what to say that right. something happened and uh, this world will uh, will stop uh, unexpectedly but uh, i i'm not an average uh, U- U- ukrainian so but again it gives me um, it gives me it gives me uh, Hope, Silly, uh, hope, strength, yeah, to to go on from day to day. Thank you, Luda, and Slava Ukraini. Thank you so much, Heroem Navika Slava. Yeah, thank you. Take care. You too. After our call, Michael Di Benedetto texted and asked if I'd speak with Hell's Kitchen's volunteer coordinator, Franklin Orozco. There's a link to that conversation in the show notes. Click to hear about Franklin's arrival in Ukraine three and a half years ago. I went up to uh, Minsk in Belarus where I was teaching. And then uh, we had that nasty election with Lukashenko and the post-election violence. And so I flew here. It was one of four countries I could come to because of COVID. I speak a bit of Russian and uh, I had been here. I liked it before, so it was peaceful here. I I thought it was going to be a nice uh, change. (laughs) And his work with Hell's Kitchen, coordinating with incoming volunteers. Volunteers were just coming in whenever they wanted to and leaving whenever they wanted to, and you could never be sure of having the team that you needed to get the orders done for the bread that day. So I just started organizing it more and then put together an FAQ and tried to make things better for volunteers by meeting them at the train station taking them to their, where they were going to stay and helping them check in, interpreting if they needed it, and keeping in touch with them, especially if there were blasts going on, explosions. Then we started a chat groups that we could do check-ins and just inform each other, and kind of support each other. Franklin's a California-Vermont transplant who's lived in Europe for three decades. Tune into our interview for his perspective on the war in Ukraine the importance of American involvement, and lots more. Link in the show notes, plus a link to Franklin's comprehensive and fascinating FAQ document covering everything from what clothes to pack to identifying air raid shelters to after-work hangouts to a list of grocery prices. A yogurt pouch costs 19 Ukrainian hryvnia. That's about 49 cents. Local beer, 20 hryvnia, about 52 cents. Don't forget to click on the show notes for that resource and my interview with Franklin, who's ready to welcome you to Hell's Kitchen, Ukraine. Cat's Cast, the Catskills podcast, is produced by Silver Hollow Audio. Join us next time for a history hike with Woodstock's Will Nixon. Until then, we'll see you on Instagram at Cat's Cast. I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening.